Okay, good evening. We are broadcasting live, September 22nd, 2015. Today we have a quote on solitude. It's actually, again, a fairly long passage. Maybe we'll only, I'll ask Robin to read the verse for us at the bottom. Oh, just the bottom part? Yeah, and then we can talk about the story. Sure. In this matter, both mighty beings agree, the enlightened sage and the elephant, with tusk res tusks resembling the poles of plows, both love the solitude of the forest. It's lacking something, no? The English? Yeah. Makes more sense with the whole verse, with the whole upper part. Well, it's also much more poetic in the Pali. Let's hear the Pali. Etang nagasanagena isadantasahatino sameti chitang chitena yadeko ramati mano. That actually kind of rhymes. But another important part of this verse, etang nagasanagena. It's a play on words that you totally miss. He does a fairly good job getting the sense of it. But um, I was trying to figure out the grammar. It's it's colloquial. It's not an easy grammar. But nagasa nagena means the naga and the naga, basically. Or the naga it agrees with the naga, basically. And so the, it's a play on the word naga. Naga can mean uh, man. Or it can mean, um, or it can mean elephant. It can also mean a snake. But uh, right. But it it it's often meant to be um, um, like an elephant of men, that kind of thing, or a, a, a great hero, kind of thing, naga. So the Buddha is often referred, he refer, often refers to Buddha as the Naga. So the Naga and the Naga, the, 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 the Naga of a human and the Naga as an elephant, agree, sameti. That's the first part. Itang Naga Sanagena. In this, the Naga with the Naga. And then Isa Danta Sahatino. And Isa Danta is another play on words. Because uh, Isa. think and the, yeah the the dictionary gives it as a type of elephant but that's a play on words because isa isa means um the the lord or the highest right and danta could mean um tamed i think I think it's a play on where I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not an expert in Pali, but Isa Danta. Isa Danta. I think that's the Lord of of Peace kind of thing. I'm pretty sure there's a play on words there because he's calling the Buddha is calling himself the Isa Danta, which um, he calls so, so he, he translates it as enlightened sage. Could be Isi. Isi would be sage. And Adanta, I don't know what, where you get Adanta. Adanta wouldn't be enlightened, but Danta means tamed, so it's a kind of enlightened. 
and hati is the hati means elephant hati actually means one who has a hand do you know why they call an elephant one who has a hand because of the trunk they have an extra hand hatta means hand hati is one who has a hand but it's a name for an elephant the elephant has an extra hand sameti jitang jitena their minds agree the mind of the one agrees with the other yadeko ramati mano in that or in regards to or insofar as their minds delight in solitude so we have a story the story actually begins so we see here the buddha was on went on tour it's not actually well on tour i don't think oh wait let me see yeah well on tour i'm not sure where he gets that anyway i don't want to go into it too too deeply but it's actually a story um that we get in detail elsewhere there was this monastery kosambi kosambi was the town so the monks of kosambi and the, the monastery in kosambi um, were fighting now it's, it started i always think of this story when i go when i visit bath uh toilets in in monasteries in asia because they have these these tanks of water usually and they can be such breeding grounds for mosquitoes it's really a bad thing and i always think of this story because this is how it happened one monk there were two monks two big teachers in the monastery one taught the suttas and one taught the vinaya and so the sutta teacher went to the washroom and left some water in the the, the receptacle because they would use water they wouldn't use toilet paper and they don't use toilet paper much in asia at all or in Thailand, Southeast Asia, Sri Lanka, India, I think, also. I think so, I can't remember now. Um, and so the, the Winnie, he's going, going out of the bathroom, and the Winnie monk passes him and sees that he's left water, and he says, you know, it's an offense to leave water in the receptacle. And the Sutta Bhikkhu says, oh, no, I, I, well, then let me confess it. And he said, well, but if you didn't know it was, or if you didn't uh, realize, he says something like, if you didn't realize, then it's not an offense. And the Sudhabhika says, oh, okay. And he walks away. And the Vinaya Bhikkhu thinks about it, and he, he says, he shakes his head, he goes to tell it, he goes back to his students, and when he has this class, he tells his students, you know, for example, he gives us an example, the Sudhabhika still has a, an offense that he hasn't confessed. And the students are just talk amongst themselves. And after class, they go and they go to the students of the Sutta Bhikkhu, and they tell them, they say, "Your teacher has an unconfessed unconfessed offense." And his students are offended, and so they they go in a group to see the teacher, and they say, "The Vinaya teacher's 
students, Vinayam, sorry, Vinayam means the discipline, Sutta means the, um, the meditation teachings. So the Vinaya would be more into the rules and the Sutta would be more into, the Sutta teacher would be more into meditation practice. So these guys go to their teacher and say, the Vinaya student, Vinaya teacher students say you, you have an offense because you left the water in the receptacle. And the, the Sutta teacher says, the Vinaya teacher is a liar. <laughs> and it, the Sutta teacher says, yeah, he's a liar. And they go back to the Vinaya teacher students and they say, your teacher's a liar. Our teacher says, your teacher's a liar. And the Vinaya students get all upset and they go to the Vinaya teacher and says, he says, you're a liar. And it degenerates from there. The supporters of the monastery split into two factions. I think I know I've told this story somewhere before. Some of you must have heard this. The supporters of the monastery split into two factions. I'm oh, sorry, the bhikkhunis split into two factions. So this is talking about the bhikkhus who can't get along. And the bhikkhunis, the female monks, split into two factions because of it. The lay, lay devotees split into two factions. The angels that guard the monastery split into two factions, all the way up to the 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 heaven of the 33 like all the state all the levels of heaven split into factions over this who's right and who's wrong and the buddha tries to calm them down and tries to get them to let it go you know come back to harmony harmony is more important than who's right who's wrong so i always think back to this about if only these people you know don't they read the vinaya that they keep this water in the receptacle it's a very dangerous thing to do. Also because it breeds mosquitoes. Dengue. But the the most important takeaway from the story is this that the Buddha the Buddha leaves. He leaves and the monks um, are are ruined because of it. The lay people say come to the monastery and say, Where's the Buddha? Oh he left. Why did he leave? Well, he left because we're fighting. And the lay people, the lay disciples get angry and disgusted with the monks. And so they stop bringing food to the monastery. And when the monks go into the, the village for alms, they don't give them any food. They don't care if these guys live or die now. And so they, they live very uncomfortably. At the end of the rains, at the, after the Buddha has lived three months in this forest with the elephant. Um, they come and they, they ask Ananda, they plead with Ananda to go and, and, and beg on their behalf that they are suitably chastised and sorry. But the big takeaway is solitude. That this is what happens when people are more concerned with what other people say, more concerned with society. To some extent, it's it's misleading to think that you have to go off into the forest. So the Buddha did it as a example, but he didn't always live in the forest. And in fact, he spent most of his life surrounded by monks, surrounded by lay people, teaching in Jetavan. So it was it was actually forested. It was quiet, but there were people coming and going all day, and monks by the hundreds or thousands it seems like 
So it was certainly a busy place and the Buddha certainly wasn't alone. But So it's kind of misleading, the idea that uh, you have to go off and live alone in the forest. Because that's not at all it. I was walking, I got off the bus today and I looked around at the city and I just thought, you know, this is nothing. It's not a trap, you see. The city is, I can't, I can't explain it. It was just, this is, it's not a trap. It's not busy, you know. It's only busy if you get involved, if you get caught up, if you're worried. Just uh, being in school today, in class today, um, we had our first tutorial in philosophy. We're looking at Descartes. And I sat with a group. First of all, they had us pair off and we had to introduce our, our it's like going back to high school, public school. We had to introduce our partner to the class. So if we had to talk to them and we had to just briefly tell what program they were in, what their name was, and that's about it. But my partner is from Nigeria. It was pretty pretty neat talking to him. He's been here three years and uh, he's going back to Nigeria after. He didn't seem to take the class all that seriously. I think many people don't. It's tough. It's tough dealing with Descartes. He's really dense. And if you, you know, if you've done meditation, it helps because it really is meditation that he's doing. I always thought it wasn't, but he is kind of doing an, an insight meditation practice. You know, it's not Buddhist, but he's he's very he's very much in the beginning, anyways. In the third meditation, he goes off his rocker, but in the first two meditations, he's very much into this experience thing you know, the, the idea of you can only be sure that you're that there is the experience you can't be sure that it's actually you're actually seeing something for example um but the point i wanted to make at one um everyone was all three of them really and it just gave me an idea about it's just a reminder of um how, how much of a pull the world has. So the, I talked to one of them, one of the people and uh, said, what do you think? And she said, I'm sorry, I'm just so, so many things on my plate. I think she said, because she wasn't really paying attention. We were in this group, but she was doing something on her computer and on her phone. And as, I mean, I'm not critical. It's just, um, it made me think that potentially she has issues, you know, like troubles that she's dealing with. Um, and I was thinking of, you know, sometimes the people, some of these people aren't able to afford textbooks, you know, that there, there is such worry and stress and people who are stressed, like the other guys in our Buddhism association, they got full course loads and uh, one of them is now sick in bed, which I can't imagine, you know, in the middle of how do you deal with that? when you have all these obligations for class and so on. I mean, this is just a small, teeny tiny part of the world. But this is the trap. The, the real trap is in the mind when you're, when you're worried and concerned about things. I find that it, if, you, if you have the right attitude, even being really busy, you know, now I have a real full schedule, but it doesn't really feel like that because it's still moments. It's still just now. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to have to sit and look at my homework. But right now, I don't think about my homework. I don't stress about it because I can't do it right now. 
and also not being trapped by these things you know i might i might fail you know if you're in if you have a job you might get fired you might have to live on the street you might have to beg for food you know i mean it might happen there's um there's a really good quote i think it's I want to say Oscar Wilde, but I don't think so. No, it's not Oscar Wilde. Orson Welles, right? Who's the guy who wrote 1984? George Wells. George Orwell, not Orson Welles. George Orwell. George Orwell wrote a book called Down and Out in Paris and London that I read many years ago. And uh, in it, he says, he says something quite profound. He says, because he, he loses all his money something falls through and he, he winds up flat broke in Paris. And I think London as well, but I think the part I was reading, I didn't read it all, read was in Paris. And he says, basically when you get to the, it's a paraphrase, but he says, when you get to the bottom, it's such a relief because you know, you can't fall any further. You know, you, you know at the very least, there's nothing to lose, right? And that's kind of the feeling that you come to. But it's it's it does it's not dependent on cir circumstance. It's just that when you're at the bottom, and this is why it's great to be a monk, because you're forced into it. You know, I was freaking out once because I didn't have soap, a laundry soap. You know, and I'd been doing my my laundry. This was many years ago, in Thailand. I was freaking out. I had no money and no soap because monks used money and for a few years I used money as a monk because they all do um, but I had no soap and I thought what am I going to do and then it just hit me I was like well then I, I'll just wash them without soap wash my clothes without soap I mean, what are you going to do um, when I was a lay person living in Stony Creek I think it was one of the few days where I no that's not true but I remember a day where I went without food. I had no money. I was a lay person, but I wasn't working. I was in school and you know, everything was so expensive. Books and tuition and, and food. That uh, this one day I didn't eat. I just went without food. And it was emotionally trying for, uh, you know, someone who had always had enough food to eat. It, it's... Um, but it's so relieving afterwards, you know, when, when you when you let go, when you have nowhere to fall. As a monk, I've gone without food, gone with very little food, gone with just sweets. I remember going on alms around in Jomtong and everyone likes to give you sweets. So you get like some candy and and some more candy or um, rice sweets. It sounds like trick or treat, not alms around. I mean, yeah, yeah. Certainly not nutritious, but it is very a very important attitude to have. Anyway, how it relates, this is not exactly what's being talked about, but how it relates to the quote, to the story, um, real and true solitude is the state of mind. So the Buddha didn't leave because he was surrounded by people. He left because people didn't realize this, because people's minds were in the wrong place. And you, the, you can't be around people whose minds are in the wrong place. You can't help them. You can't interact with them. So you just naturally leave. It's it's 
path of least resistance to leave, not to stay. It's the proper thing to do. But solitude is something you can find anywhere. It's called jitta viveka. Kaya viveka is useful. It's important. It, it makes it a lot easier. But if you really get the meditation practice, you can be in solitude anywhere. Solitude means solitude means means alone, right? Um, something like only, solo, singular. But another so another meaning of this is not just alone as a person, but alone as the moment, the moment and the time, the time and space. You know, not thinking about the past and the future. It's not how we normally think of as solitude, but when you isolate, solate, right? Probably the same word. Uh, you isolate the moment. You isolate the here and now. So, you know, now I'm sitting here. So many times we get caught up in past and future, right? Worrying about what we did and what we have yet to do. Worrying about things that are elsewhere. This isn't isolated. We haven't isolated the present moment. We're not in solitude. You can be in a crowd of people. How do you deal with a problem? And people always ask, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? There really is only one answer. That's to be mindful. Whenever you're in a situation, I don't know what to do. First thing you should think, be mindful. When you're mindful, the problem, the problem is gone immediately. You feel yourself loosening up, less tense, breathing easier, your headache, you know, reduced headaches, relaxed, you know, alert, aware, calm, confident, happy, peaceful, useful, friendly. So we had this religious studies lunch uh, today it was nice nice to meet some of the religious studies people but I went with a little bit of concern because they invited for us for lunch but I know how it goes with people who aren't you know they didn't want to hand us food it was of course they put pizza out and everyone was supposed to take pizza so but I replied and said uh, I can't take food for myself it's against our rules we're only allowed to eat if people give it to us. And when I got there, the head of the head of the department, religious studies department, gave me a piece of food, but he was not really very happy. And through the whole meeting, I don't don't think he was very friendly to me. He was friendly to other people, but I felt some hostility from him. It was weird. He's a British guy. I don't know whether he's, you know, sometimes. No, anyway, don't want to go into it. It's not the point. But uh, the point was, I figured, okay, he's given me one piece of pizza and that's all. You know, because this is what happens. They they humor you, but he wasn't at all interested in feeding me, which, you know, why should he be? Except, well, I mean, the thing is, it was a lunch, but it wasn't meant to be food for the day for everyone. But, uh, you know, just being okay with that and being uh, kind of at at peace and trying to be mindful, you know. Um, two other people came up and one of them has been to Thailand. He's a professor here who teaches 
the Japanese religion. He's been to Thailand several times, has a friend in Chiang Mai, and he knows Wat Lampung, which is sort of the place where Ajahn Tong started out. And he gave me like three pieces of pizza and some raw vegetables and stuff, you know, just without me asking or even complaining or anything. He just said, oh, would you like some more? And another woman, the woman who was organizing it, she gave me a slice of pizza at one point. So I ate, I ate enough food for sure. And there was lots left over. Don't know why I'm telling that story. It kind of the, the being mindful, you know. It, it changes because... Social I hear so many people have this social anxiety, and I can relate to that. The difficulty, what do I do now? What, what do I do? It's, it's not easy as a monkey, especially, you know. Like, oh, everyone's looking at me, wondering what I am. It's funny, I just assumed people would say, oh, look, there's a Buddhist monk, but that's a ridiculous assumption. People wonder, why is he wearing that costume? Is it a prank? Is it a joke? Is this a frat initiation? <laughs> is he a Hare Krishna? Is he trying to, you know, is he going to do Kung Fu? It's all about how you react to things, no? It's all about how you... I realize we all look at each other. It's not just me they're looking at. We look at each other and we judge each other. Maybe your skin color is different. Maybe you're tall, maybe you're short, maybe you're fat, maybe you're thin. We look at each other. Probably too much. <laughs> we worry about what other people think, right? We're so concerned. This one monk calls the other monk a liar, and suddenly it's the most important thing in the world that someone said something about you, you know? I guess they didn't ever hear the sticks and stones will break my bones so. but uh, that's amazing no how we can how we can become incensed by a few words how we can destroy friendships destroy harmony how we can destroy ourselves by taking taking things to heart taking things too seriously Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. You have any questions? Let's see. Bhante, while in sitting meditation, I feel the presence or imagine a giant spider in front of me. I noticed, noted feeling, feeling, fear, fear, and made the resolution of not opening the eyes or moving. But as the fear was great, I took refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha and started sending metta. Was this the proper way to go? That sounds fine. When I do sitting or walking meditation spontaneously, I find it easier. But when I plan it, for example, I will do 15 minutes sitting meditation. I feel more tension and more serious. So I note tense, tense, and I'm less mindful. Am I doing anything wrong? Yeah, deadlines. It's the whole deadline psychology, right? Pressure mm -hmm. from having a deadline. 
from being forced to do it. It's, I mean, it's useful for that reason because it helps you to overcome it. If you're forced to do 15 minutes, you're forced to do a half an hour, you, it forces you to let go of that. This tension comes from the, uh, the being, being forced, you know, having an impulsion to do something. Beyond metta, what are some other meditations? And where can I find the descriptions and instructions to practice them, please? Are you not are you not interested in the meditation that I teach? Why don't you practice that one? That's the best one. After reading the descriptions of uh, some of those in the Sudimaga, I would have to agree. Start practicing vipassana and we'll talk. During daily sati, do you note the action as you choose it, as you choose it, or act subconsciously and note those actions? I notice the more control over the actions, the slower the actions. Well, choose isn't you, it's a process. It's a little bit more complicated than that. So you can acknowledge intention when you, re when you experience the desire to do something. You can even acknowledge that wanting to walk, wanting to walk, wanting to reach, wanting to reach, wanting to speak wanting to stand, wanting to lie down. Do you know any Kung Fu? I know karate. I knew karate. I used to have my brown belt in karate, but I was never very good at it. I was never very committed. It's funny because the best part of karate for me was the meditation. I started actually, when I got to brown belt, there were a couple of us who were brown belt, I almost black belt. But, you know, I don't know whether I really deserved it or not. I've just been there so long, they just kept advancing me. Um, but once we got up in the in the levels, he would give us the, the when, when the sensei was away, he would let us teach. And I started incorporating meditation. So af after or before some, we did our, you know, all of the exercises and punches and stuff, I would have everyone do meditation lying, I think. They would lie down and, and then they were like, whoa, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. I, I was a meditation teacher way back then. Um, but, you know, I never quite got... The reason I was doing karate is because I was afraid of being bullied in high school. <laughs> never really helped. When you were having them do the lying meditation, was it like a guided meditation? Were you speaking? Yeah. I was, yeah, I was speaking. It was an orange. I think one of the senseis had taught it to us. So we imagine an orange and then you peel the orange and you take the slices one by one by one. And I think you maybe eat a slice or something. I don't know. But it's, it was a visualization technique. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it, they weren't Japanese people. Our sensei was, one sensei was French, French-Canadian, and the other one was 
just kind of like uh, he was a bit of a redneck actually i mean he was in this hillbilly i guess you say i don't know what the correct term is but he was just more into fighting and uh, sparring and stuff if all your food must be given to you where do you get it does it come from donations to the monastery well see you have to be careful how you phrase this because it's not like we have all this food the point is we only eat if we get under the assumption that we may not get we're not assuming that food will come and we're not depending upon daily meals um, I've kind of gotten into having daily meals just because yes people do uh, support me they want me to keep teaching and so they feed me not that arduous I don't think to keep me alive not with such a large group so we're kind of bending the rules I think I don't think it's breaking the rules oh and this is I wanted to show you please don't do this thank you for sending this to me but I don't want this I don't want to see this on a subway card that's not proper I mean I'm not it's not I'm not um, the kind of person to get all offended by it but there are a lot of Buddhists who would be I think offended by this it's just not proper to put someone you know and I know the intention was pure so I'm not I'm not discounting it but I think what we sometimes miss in the West is respect I find that you know people respect what I do here I'm not talking about you guys actually I'm talking about people I meet they respect what I do but they only respect me as an equal and I mean that's fine for me I'm fine with that really but there is some sense that uh, you know and you see it in the Asian communities that a monk is special in a way you know is to be held apart so people don't think it's interesting how people don't think to call uh, a monk venerable for example or bante as all of you guys do um, and it, it's it's interesting especially because I think they wouldn't have any problem with a priest you know even a non-christian would probably call a priest father right you wouldn't just call him hey bob you know you'd, you'd be father bob i think i mean i guess radical atheists wouldn't go for that but or you know militant atheists um but certainly i think there's i think buddhism gets a little bit because buddhism is associated with um kind of hippies hippies you know this kind of thing it's kind of a new agey sort of thing and so there's less respect so if someone you know like like i don't expect it but there is something you know to respecting your teacher and it's definitely, definitely a Buddhist tradition. I mean, if you go to Wat Rampung, the head monk there, or not the head monk, but the, the system there, they 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 drill it into foreigners because they know this. They have them. You ha when you go into to report, you've got a st strict protocol. You can't stand in the room. You have to bend down as soon as you get in the room and sort of kneel your way, knee your way towards the teacher. 
and then you have to prostrate three times to the teacher and then you have to say hello venerable sir but, uh, hello venerable teacher you have to say it in thai even i think anyway my point is this is one of the most venerable i mean i don't know anyone more special than this person so um he's like way up here way up here so i don't know what to do with this card now <laughs> should i maybe take the word subway off of it and and put it up on my wall i don't know what to do with it i can't i don't know if i could swipe this in the restaurant anyway that aside people have been sending subway cards so I get these in the mail. Just got uh, that one. Just came today, that I may not actually use, unfortunately. Maybe I could, maybe I could scrape. Maybe I could cut it in half. <laughs> Take the front layer off. Anyway, it's kind of. I mean, I know this is kind of. It's just a card, right? And it's just an image, but. It's the thought that counts, you know, and the thought was to put, the thought was that this should be an image of, of my teacher, which is a nice thought. It's just, um, no, I think this is something we should not do. Please don't put monks on subway cards. Well, thank you for, for clarifying to all of us, because I mean, you know, it, it's it's a whole new world, honestly. I mean, yeah. and and what is respect and and what is disrespect? It's it's a little hard to figure out. Like you, you know, a person could have um, thought that that was a, a great respect to put someone, on, you know, not thinking that it's a subway card, but just to honor someone by having, you know, them be the the featured picture or something. So, thank yeah. you for kind of you know straightening us out. But I think there we have to we have to be more conscious than that. I mean, it's something that we aren't that conscious about um, protocol. I think you know, mm -hmm. but protocol is useful because it encourages respect. Protocol in and of itself is useless, right? We have to bow at this time. It's just bending your head, right? But having the bending of your head or the the not putting, you know, religious texts on the floor. Like I often give people my book. And then they put it on the floor and I think, you know, it's not really proper protocol because that's not very respectful to put something that has Buddhist, the Buddhist teaching in it on the floor. I would never do it. Um, but again, it's just protocol. It's not that it's just higher or lower. It's all concept, concepts, right? But there are certain conventions that, because I mean, you know, even um you know we talk about associating suppose you had have buddhist monks on a coke commercial right or there were these buddhist monks my mom told me on a kleenex commercial some tibetan buddhist monks on a kleenex commercial i mean associating buddhist monks with corporate images um i think people get that you know you, if you think about it it's not that hard to get that it's crass to 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 have a a uh, Buddhist monk or even someone pretending to be a Buddhist monk drinking Coke. I, it, I don't think that's happened, but just for the taste of it or whatever, you know? So that, I mean, this isn't that hard, I think, to understand is you've got Ajahn Tong promoting Subway. But, I mean, it's not, but it kind of is, you know? 
just gonna... right. sorry any i think any is here he's the one who sent this one to me <laughs> i appreciate the thought i really do and i wasn't i, I smiled when i got it but then i thought mm, i better say something well ryan has a suggestion Bunte, maybe they could transfer the balance from that card to one of your other cards if it was a tim card yes tim cards you can do that subway cards maybe um, but i don't think so Tim Hortons has this transfer thing. Um, <laughs> I should call up Subway and say, I've got a problem with your cards. <laughs> someone sent me a card that is, well, I mean, suppose someone put a naked woman on it, right? There, there, is, a, there is this kind of category where you could say this card, I, 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 it's not appropriate. Would you be able to transfer it for me? That's interesting. Maybe I could do that. They might have some mechanism in place because probably someone's broken their card, cracked it, and then it wouldn't swipe or whatever. And so they, they might have something. Let's, I'll let you know if they can figure that out. Or if someone else could figure it out, let me know. And then I'm, I'm just going to skip a meditation question to just stick with this for one more question. Um, are prepaid credit cards appropriate to use at a supermarket? Okay, if I register this card, it looks like I can transfer. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so I have to actually register. That's what I haven't been doing. If I register online, I think I can put all my cards together. Then just and then you'll, then you'll have just the, the one online? Uh, the what? You'll just have one online with all the balances from all the different cards. Well, it'll be an actual card, but that one card will be, hopefully, if that works, I'll see about that. Okay, maybe there is a way. Yeah. Don't despair. Anyway, I don't want to make the person feel bad about it, but just, I think it bears explaining and protocol. You know, there are, we have to, we, we are best to observe pro certain protocols, not become obsessed with it, but, you know, like, the people I talk to and the people I live with are get incensed over that. Not incensed, but are are really disappointed in this sort of thing. Like a Buddha image. People were telling me how they sell Buddha images, like the Buddha image we got downstairs. Well, one of the one monk actually just bought it for bought one for me and and gave it. But Buddhists have been telling me they just keep these Buddha images on the ground, you know, in the, in their warehouse, like you know, amongst all the other things they're selling and that's not um not respectful you know this is like our our master our lord you know he's 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 way up the buddha we hold him above our heads and if you'd see the devotion like people that have they grow up with this and i guess i and it's rubbed off on me to some extent i mean i get it it's what, is, what does it mean to respect someone so greatly as we respect the buddha you you just naturally want to put them up high and not uh, sort of not put them in any position that would lessen them. Because, you know, what do you think the impression people get of a Buddha image in the floor of this this warehouse, right? People walking around, oh, the kids playing with it, touching it, you know? There was, um, when I was in Thailand, there was this big story that scandal that came out. Apparently there was some pornography site that had a naked topless woman behind a buddha statue and it was just a huge deal and there was a a bikini someone had a bikini 
with uh, a Buddha on either breast. <laughs> um, you know, totally, you know, just makes people very upset about it, disappointed at least. Um, what else? I think there was something else. Oh, the Buddha bar. The whole, they had this bar that they called the Buddha bar. And, you know, I think people are kind of weary of fighting it or getting upset about it. But... And then it varies from country to country. In Sri Lanka, in Thailand, they're big on wearing a Buddha around their neck. And Sri Lankans are disgusted by this. They say, you don't put a Buddha around your neck. That's the Buddha. Which I was surprised me because I hadn't thought about it, but I agree with them. I think, yeah, why are you putting the Buddha around your neck, like a dog collar or something? And it really, people lose respect. Some people do it respectfully, but it's become such a commodity where you put the Buddha around your neck. Why? Because it's supposed to protect you from physical danger and physical harm. That's not what the Buddha's for. He's not like your magical charm. Anyway, if I said that in Thailand, I would get, I would get booed off the stage. I wonder if it's, you know, doing like the, the Christian tradition of wearing the cross around your neck. Yeah, absolutely. But Christians don't have this problem. Christians, I mean, Christians I've seen have no problem dropping their Bible on the floor. I once commented on it. I said, oh, I wanted to say, you know, don't put, and he said, oh, what, you got a problem with me putting it on the floor? I don't, I don't follow those conventions or in, in, in Christianity, it's all about, and he's right, you know, it's not about putting something higher or lower, but out of respect for our teachings, we don't put them on the floor. It's a protocol. It's a convention designed to encourage respect, designed to keep us mindful, you know? You can't just throw your books around, put your shoes on top of your books, you know? Um, I mean, just putting, what was I thinking? Yeah, you could put them where you walk, right? Oh, that's not putting your shoes, but stepping on them or stepping over them. Like Dhamma books, we don't even step over them. If there's a, a books with the Buddhist teaching in it, you wouldn't even walk over it. Certainly not ever touch it with your foot. I mean, because feet are considered quite lowly in, in Thailand anyway. But you know, it doesn't really matter that you're keeping all the protocols, but a general protocol is quite useful because it encourages respect, because you don't, it's very easy to just have no respect and not respect things that are worthy of respect, which I think respect is useful, keeps you serious, you know, you don't, you don't get lax and lazy and complacent. And there was a question about prepaid credit cards, are they appropriate to use at a supermarket? See, that's sort of what these are, right? Yeah, yes, the idea, the, the defense, is that the money has already been paid by someone else. So no money ever exchanges hands from in the point of view of the monk. So taking that card to the, to the store is just using up the credit, not actually engaging in a monetary transaction not technically so because there was this case in the buddhist time where they would have meal tickets so the monk all the monks would get a meal ticket when it was just too chaotic for lot for hundreds of monks to go on alms round in a, in a city 
they would organize it. So each house would take a monk or a few monks. And so one monk would be in charge of handing out tickets and each monk would get a ticket and that ticket allowed them to go and get food. So my defense would be that it's kind of like a meal ticket. I know it's not quite, but now considering most other monks have just started using money, I think I'm doing pretty well. You're doing very well. But if someone gave you a credit card to use as a supermarket, that does um, create another complication because you cannot cook, correct? Right. Well, no, I mean, there's lots of good food that you can eat raw at a supermarket. I mean, that would be awesome, really, if that worked. Oh, okay. There's, there's such health, you know, problem with these fast food places is none of the food's really that healthy. But in a supermarket, I would know exactly what to eat that was the most healthy. And then you get into the question of, well, isn't that kind of defeating the purpose of not obsessing over food yeah it starts to get a little complicated when you've suddenly got this whole supermarket but i think technically using the same argument you could say it's fine i mean in fact being picky about food isn't necessarily wrong the buddha was was uh, was said to have praised it at one point but he praised it in a kind of a backhanded sort of way this monk was separating his alms food into the healthy stuff and the, the not healthy stuff. And the monks were ready to criticize him, thinking, why isn't he just, you know, eating whatever he's given? They thought that was the way to go. And the Buddha praised him, he said, but the way he praised him is he said, yes, this monk has always known how to, the difference between what is good for him and what is bad for him. And he told a story about how in a past life, this monk knew what mind states were good for him and what mind states were bad for him. So he redirected the conversation, but he wasn't critical of this monk. In fact, in a backhanded sort of way, he, he praised him. So there certainly isn't this sort of eat whatever you're given, even if it's poison and going to kill you and give you diabetes and, and heart disease, which a lot of monks fall into. There's plenty of monks with diabetes and heart disease because they, I mean, they eat what tastes good. It becomes an excuse. Oh, well, I've got to eat whatever they give me. You should be very careful with food, I think. I mean, not obsessed with it, but you want to be useful and, and healthy, you know? So um, I think there's an argument to be made there. And it would be so easy for me just to, I don't know. But it doesn't seem like the, the grocery stores have this sort of card thing, at least not food basics. Well, the... Um... The person asking was talking about a prepaid credit card. So um, what they have is, you know, in, in various stores you can buy, it's actually a prepaid Visa card, for example, or a prepaid MasterCard. So when you give that to someone, they can use it anywhere that takes MasterCard or Visa. Whoa. See, that starts to... No, see, the problem there, I think you have to cross a line there because that's two companies. See, prepaid means you've prepaid Visa you haven't prepaid the store. The defense, the reason why we can, we, can be, we can potentially defend, and I'm sure there's many monks out there who would, who would you know, uh, denounce me for even suggesting this, but that you've already paid that company. You know, so if we pay Food Basics and then go to Food Basics with the credit, so like, in Thailand once there was a restaurant and someone I know gave them 3,000 baht and told me if I ever want to go for lunch there, 
I can just go because they've already got the money. I mean, that's the concept here. That company already, if you give it to Visa and then you take this Visa and go there, you are um, telling Visa to give them money. You are engaging in a financial transaction, I think. So no, no good. And you know that even if it, you know, you can see the difference because then anywhere I want to go, anything I want to buy, it is, it is financial freedom, in a way that this idea isn't. Like I've been given a subway card. Someone wants me to, you know, someone has paid subway to let me eat at their restaurant. It's a little bit shady because, or it's a little bit vague because each subway is owned by and operated by individuals. So, I don't know. It's a gray area. Dante, what are the name of the supermarkets in your area? Metro and Food Basics? Just Food Basics. Just Met Food Basics? Metro okay. is the old one. It's the same company, but they've downgraded to Food Basics. Okay. It might just be worth it. Yeah, I can just look into whether they have some sort of a line of credit or something that, um, you know what I mean? Some, some stores, they'll let a person start an account, and then if that account is paid off, so in other words, if, if someone the wanted to send... Deli. Maybe the kosher deli would do that. They seem like the kind of place that would do that. Yeah, if, you know, if someone sent, you know, an amount for you to use, they, mm. might, they might work with that. Of course, they're Jewish, and having a Buddhist monk go in there is probably not high on there. I can tell them my name is Noah Greenspoon. <laughs> it's a very Jewish name. Okay, more yeah, questions? That's worth looking into. Yes, there was a meditation question here, which we should probably not skip. Can we pass on a meditation lead to jhana? There are two kinds of jhana. Vipassana jhana leads to the vipassana meditation leads to the vipassana jhanas. I recommend reading the Saleka Sutta commentary by Mahasi Sayadaw. Uh, he talks about that. But in brief, the kind of jhana that you enter into is freedom from the five hindrances based on wisdom, based on understanding of impermanent suffering and non-self. Once you get clear in your mind about impermanent suffering and non-self, the hindrances don't arise. So this is considered to be a jhana. It moreover leads to the highest jhana, which is called lokuttara jhana, which is the realization of Nibbana. Yes, the realization of Nibbana is a jhana, and it's the highest jhana. It's the only really important jhana. So anyone who says Vipassana meditation doesn't lead to the jhanas, doesn't understand the context in which Vipassana meditation is, is taught. Vipassana meditation is for the purpose of attaining the true important jhana, the jhana of enlightenment. Would you say it's another form of disrespect to say wear Buddha on a graphic t-shirt? Starting to get into the not-so-white area. It's definitely gray, but I think it's heading towards dark gray. Because it's not very respectful. Shirts aren't a place where we typically put objects of respect, of veneration. Respect, maybe. You know, respect in the way that you respect a band. But you don't respect a band in the same a uh, music band in the same way that you respect the Buddha. It's a different kind of respect. Like, would you put your um, I don't know. We might even, but 
It's kind of like putting your your university professor on your t-shirt. If you walked into class with your university professors, you know, he probably, he or she probably wouldn't be all that impressed by it. It's kind of like, what the heck am I doing on your t-shirt? It's kind of, you know, I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but you kind of get the idea. I mean, around the neck actually kind of makes sense because it's something valuable, something precious, and they put it in gold or silver or whatever. But t-shirt's starting to get a little bit off. And just a couple of other examples. Somebody's got a brand of beer in the shape of a laughing Buddha. And the laughing Buddha isn't actually a Buddha. That fat guy is not Buddha. No one thinks that he's Buddha. No Buddha. Oh, no Buddhists think that he's Buddha, but sure, non-Buddhists no. sometimes do. But no, none of the experts in any tradition, they believe he's a bodhisattva and he's got a history. Uh, he's actually, they claim that he's Maitreya, I found out. Maitreya, the next Buddha. But he's not same. a Buddha. They call him Buddha, right? Many people call him different things. And Tina says no Dhamma books in the bathroom either. It's a good point. It's yes. a good protocol because that would lead to disrespect. Yes. In fact, you know, having a Buddha in your bedroom you know, often not the best thing to do. It's um, people who put, you know, like a lot of Thai restaurants that serve alcohol have a Buddha image in them, which to me is quite disrespectful. What are you going to do? Any recommendations for a Buddhist to get through high school with sati? Same as for everyone, you know, be mindful, read my book, practice it, take a course, we've got courses. When you study, try to study and, and be mindful, you know, take breaks from your studies. Man, if I could go back to high school and redo it, just think all the problems that we would avoid because of our meditation. And Ryan has already found the Food Basics gift cards. Awesome. Huh. They have, they have those. Oh, they do. Yeah, that is great. Oh, wow. That opens up a whole new world. It does. Just go in there for my daily food. Yeah. I'll put a link for that in the comments of the video, too, in case anybody watching afterwards might like to. Well, I have all this you in that way. information on my wish list. Mm -hmm. uh, wish list. Where is that? Nope. It's not there anymore. Oh, the link isn't even there. Huh. Where did that go? Is that from uh, the support page at Sarimunglo? No, it's from my web blog. I thought my web blog had a, had a, oh, it's taken off. On your support page, you have a list of items. It looks probably outdated. Maybe I can help with that. 
Wait a second, it should be, oh, there it is, now it's back. It's funny that it wasn't there. Oh, I'm shocked. Anyway, not a big deal, but it's back now. So now it's on my web blog. I don't know if anyone ever actually checks my web blog. Don't use it that much. What's that day? Yutadamo at sarimangalo.org? Yeah. You, okay. don't look at, you don't look at my web blog? Why would you? I I do when I see something come through on Google Plus that you've put something new on it. That's how I know that you put something new on it. And yes, there is something you can click on and it's got the wish list. Awesome. I'm going to put food basics as preferred. Should I do that? No, whatever. Not preferred. That's the top of the list. Yeah, that sounds like a healthy option. Oh, you have to purchase oh. the cards at checkout. Ah, okay. So it has to be done locally. Well, the, that uh, Williams Fresh was like that as well, but Tina found a way to call them and she, I think she called them and arranged for one and then you were able to pick it up. Did that work out? Yeah, but Food Basics is a big soulless corporation, I think. Oh, well, we can check into it. I think we're caught up on questions on the website. I had one question that we were trying to figure out earlier today. Is the webcam up all the time at the monastery? I think it's up now. Um, I turned it off. It, 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 right now, it's probably just showing a black screen. And if it's black, something's wrong because there's a limitation that if the, if the image gets too small, it won't show it. Okay, because we were trying to figure out if it was, if it was up all the time. And I, I think I saw Aruna in there meditating earlier today. Probably. But now, yeah, now it won't even show because because it's taking images, but they're all black. And because they're oh. all black, it, it the script says those images aren't big enough. Because I got a problem with half images, but I can take, I won't have, we won't have that problem now. So you just let people know that if you're in this room, you might potentially be broadcast to the internet? No. <laughs> well, I'll all without any asking of permission. I've got a mosquito in my hand that I have to go let out. Okay. Uh, anyway, I guess that's all for tonight. Okay. Thank but, you, Bante. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. Good night. Good night. Everybody.